Since El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, their bonds have declined in value. Their credit has been downgraded. Who knows how much money was stolen from Chivo wallets? Their stylish backwards hat-wearing president has lost money buying the dip. But not to worry, he seems to be taking it all in stride. The transition to Bitcoin has not been smoothed by any means, but it's only been a few months. We still haven't seen how successful El Salvador's new Bitcoin city will be. We're thinking of building Bitcoin city. And the volcano will power the whole city and will also power the mining. So the big question everybody keeps asking is still unanswered. Is Bitcoin good for developing countries and the people who live there? In order to answer that question, first we need to discuss why countries have currencies at all. Not the typical why money exists question, but why every sovereign country wants its own sovereign currency. Why do only countries with failing currencies adopt the US dollar? Let's look at the euro, and more specifically, Greece. Having a single European currency definitely has some benefits, especially amongst countries with open borders and free movement of people and goods. It removes some trade friction and exchange rate uncertainty and makes tourism much more convenient. So why has there been so much controversy over the years about whether Greece in particular should be allowed to remain in the euro or be kicked out? Many are wondering what this result will mean for Greece, for Europe and for the euro currency. At the moment, nobody really knows. In economics, productivity is the answer to many questions. We know intuitively that workers in different countries are willing to work for different wages. We know intuitively that workers in different countries have different work ethics. For the purpose of this video, we don't need to discuss the reasons for those differences, just that we acknowledge they exist. Germany, for example, is much more productive than Greece, which means they can produce more output for the same input, all else being equal. Companies will make more money setting up shop in Germany and selling to Greece than they would setting up shop in Greece and selling to Germany. Tunnel boring machines that can cost millions of dollars. The secret to Germany's success lies in small to medium-sized family firms like this one that manufacture some highly specialized and indispensable piece of equipment. The Germans like to say, we make the thing that goes inside the thing that goes inside the thing. So if borders are open for free trade, why would anyone make anything in Greece? The answer is that most people won't. Again, all else being equal, they will move to higher productivity regions of the currency union. This has the effect of sucking jobs and money out of places like Greece and into places like Germany. So what happens to the people of Greece? Well, they can move to Germany and send money home, or they can demand equalization payments from Germany essentially a tax that punishes Germans for working too hard. Or they can choose to leave the currency union because one way less productive regions can compete is by devaluing a local currency. Instead of increasing their output of goods, they can just lower the price of their goods relative to their more productive competitors. But obviously, in order to do that, they must first have their own currency and a responsible, credible, independent central bank. Without their own currency, 
Greece is more or less dependent on the goodwill of Germany for handouts to maintain a decent standard of living. By giving up their currency, in many ways, they gave up their sovereignty. This self-made man is frustrated that Germany is being asked to bail out less prudent and hard-working neighbors. It's nonsense. They should control it in a better way. And uh, it cannot be that we get retirement with 67 and the Greece with 50. But then there's economic reality. Do you think that Germany is going to have to help support some of these countries? I would say that's quite clear. The same thing can even happen within a single country. Let's take the United States, for example. Productivity varies significantly between states. And this deviation necessarily means richer parts of the country pay more taxes and subsidize poorer parts of the country. Now, in the case of Europe, maybe Greece can trust Germany to take care of them. I don't know. And I'm sure there are other benefits and trade-offs to this arrangement unrelated to money, like more integrated economies are less likely to go to war. But will the relationship between all random, small, unproductive countries and every large, productive country always be so friendly and cooperative? Do we really believe that all rich countries would be willing to subsidize all poor countries the way Germany subsidizes Greece and California subsidizes Louisiana? If you were in one of these less productive countries, even if you trusted the money perfectly, do you trust your rich neighbors to take care of you forever? I wonder if Bitcoin advocates even know their plan could only plausibly work with one world government. The other thing to keep in mind is that when a country chooses to devalue its currency to compete in a globalized economy, that makes imported goods more expensive. That often means basic necessities like electricity, that is typically dependent on globally priced fossil fuels, are subsidized by the state. I'm sure you can see where this is going. Bitcoin miners seek cheap energy markets and have in several developing nations like Kosovo, Kazakhstan, and Iran abused their systems to siphon massive profits at the expense of the local population who need subsidized rates to maintain a decent standard of living. So if it doesn't make sense for them to mine Bitcoin, does it still make sense for them to use it? Remember, what makes someone financially poor is not having much money, i.e. not having much savings. The poorer you are, the more currency is only used for transactions. What benefit does someone with no savings get from a virtual store of value? If you had only a small amount of savings, wouldn't you be better off saving in something useful like foodstuffs or supplies for your home instead of speculating in international markets against billionaires? The existence of unbanked people around the world is not in of itself an argument in favor of Bitcoin unless Bitcoin can do something for them that cannot be done without it. Kenya figured out how to manage transactions with mobile phones with M-Pesa before Bitcoin even existed, a system that has now spread beyond its borders to eight additional nations and is still growing in popularity. Its service is simple. Money is sent back and forth like a text message. Transfers can be made and received on even the most basic phones. And you don't need a bank account. Do you use it every day? Of yeah. course, everything. It's easy. In 10 years, it's evolved from a simple money transfer service to a fully-fledged financial platform. It offers savings and loans. It even sells insurance. So how then do we explain El Salvador? It's important to note that El Salvador already gave up sovereignty over their currency long before Bitcoin. They have been dollarized for over two decades. Why did El Salvador initially choose the US dollar? 
there are obvious reasons, like a million plus El Salvadorians living in the United States, sending billions in remittances back home every year, but also because the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Central Bank, is considered credible and the value of the U.S. dollar is predictably stable. Bitcoin, on the other hand, has no official central bank, but several secretive stablecoins like Tether that play a similar role, and its valuation swings up and down wildly, even if the price stabilizes in the future and it becomes more commonly used for ordinary transactions. If you can't take sovereignty over your money, is it really an improvement to be a client state of Tether rather than the Federal Reserve? So the big question in the end comes down to whether it's better for developing nations to abandon sovereignty over their money and the ability to compete in a globalized world, or just build more responsible institutions. And if they choose to abandon sovereignty because they are incapable of responsible government, how exactly does Bitcoin fix that? If the government is not responsible enough to handle sovereignty over money, what other problems does that imply they are suffering from that might potentially be much more important than money? And wouldn't solving the root causes of their irresponsible government be a better way to fix any problems with money? But now we're getting into politics, and I might try to tackle that in a future video.